Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. We're on to chapter nine this week, which is called Listening and Dialogue. And I included this chapter because we all think we're good at listening. But the problem is that in uncertainty, when you get stress and overwhelm and fear and polarisation, that's the time when listening and dialogue are needed the most. And it's when they're most likely to be lacking. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Um, It starts, this chapter starts with a quote Uh, where I say dialogue is a conversation where the relationship between people is just as important as the outcome and every voice is equal and heard. And I think what's really crucial about that is that dialogue's as much about the relationship as it is about the outcome. And I think that's really important because I think it differentiates itself from a conversation and from just generally talking to people where there's a tendency that we say, well, yes, I'm listening, I heard you, and we can repeat the words back. But dialogue cuts through the words, and I'll talk a bit more about that in this chapter. And the chapter starts, as, as usual, with, a, with an experience of one of my clients, and I've called her Jane, although that's not her real name. And, and again, this is an example of a, a story that more than one client has experienced this. I don't like horses and I don't like people, Jane said, as she introduced herself to me. She was driven by results and her experience was that people got in the way of her getting the job done. She opted to lead Callie, an interesting choice because Callie's all about relationship. If you don't build a relationship with Callie first, she won't cooperate. Why would she? Callie wants to know that you're paying attention and listening to her needs as well as your own. So Jane approached Callie, stretched out her hand for Callie to sniff and then stroked her on the side of the neck. She's so warm, Jane declared. It was a cold day and she'd removed her glove to stroke Callie. She was surprised by the warmth of the horse's coat. As Jane stroked Callie on the neck, Callie turned her head towards Jane and gently wrapped it round her in the form of a hug. It wasn't just her coat that was warm. Jane was amazed. She'd never spent time building a relationship. She normally went straight in, expecting people to cooperate and get the job done. She was highly successful, so it was working to a point. She set off, inviting Callie to come with her, which Callie did willingly. They got halfway round the arena when Jane stopped paying attention to Callie. Callie was coming, so Jane ignored her and started focusing solely on completing the task. Callie stopped instantly. The togetherness was gone. It had become a task and a process for Jane. The relationship was broken and Callie disengaged. There was no reason for Callie to want to move without the connection. Jane went back to Callie, stroked her on the neck and invited her to come with her again. Callie obliged. When Jane came back to the rest of the group, she said, I get really frustrated when people don't come with me. I just want them to do what they're supposed to do. Her drive for results had caused friction in the team as not everyone could meet her high standards or match her fast pace. Jane realised that she wasn't listening to her team. 
She was demanding results and unaware of their need to be in dialogue and to be included in the way things were done. Once Jane realised this, she focused more on the horses in subsequent exercises. She paid attention to them, had empathy for their needs and worked with them. At the end of the day, she changed her mind. She said, I do like horses and I realise I like people too. I've just seen them as getting in my way all of the time. But now I realise that when I listen, we can work out how we do things together. It actually reduces the pressure on me and spreads the responsibility. So fascinating, isn't it? Maturity to change. At the heart of co-sensing and co-shaping the future, which we talked about last week in chapter eight, there lies an openness to change and the maturity to have our view altered by the perspective of others. This requires a deep sense of listening, far beyond the words that are being said, to sense what wants to be expressed, including the values, beliefs, desires and needs on both an individual and a collective basis. True listening includes empathic listening, sensing into the emotions and feelings of others and tuning into what needs to happen next. It's the remit of the unseen as much as the seen. Dialogue requires a much deeper level of listening. It occurs when we switch our listening from our own thoughts to sensing what's happening with others, with the environment and the wider global ecosystem. This requires leaders to find a level of patience, stillness and mindfulness that is so often lacking in fast-paced change. Dialogue provides the space for people to be seen and understood, as well as to seek to understand others. It enables true collaboration, where everyone's needs are met, rather than compromise, which is often what teams create. Listening to self. There are different ways we can listen, and it starts with listening to ourselves. This is the primary level of listening that people adopt the majority of the time. It involves being aware of yourself and your own responses. When you listen to a presentation, for example, you listen to what's resonant for you, where you agree or disagree, and how the information relates to you. Even though you're hearing someone else speak, the listening is based on gathering information to serve you. With this level of listening, you hear the facts and information that are valuable and needed, but it doesn't deepen your understanding of the other person or develop the relationship with them. This approach is appropriate when you're listening to a presentation and don't need to build rapport. Often the focus is on the information in the head. You have a whole body which has massive wisdom that's providing information as well. Your emotions create a visceral response in the body that is a powerful source of information and guides you to making decisions that meet your needs. When you pay attention to your visceral responses, you can align the information in your head with your emotions and gut instinct and have more aligned information available from which to make decisions. And I talk much more about alignment in my, in my first book, Leadership Beyond Measure. If you only listen to yourself and you fail to listen to others, it can create disconnection. For example, if you've had a challenging day and want to share it with someone, you might start by saying, I had a really tough day today. Your friend immediately kicks in with, oh, me too, you won't believe what happened to me. And the moment's gone, suddenly the conversation's on them and you've lost the opportunity to be listened to or heard. Your friend is so busily listening to themselves that they fail to listen to you and hear you. They miss the fact that you have something that you want to share. They break the relationship with you by making the conversation about them. Where are you creating disconnection? 
by listening to self. Listening to others. You can improve relationships with others by listening to them at a deeper level, beyond the words that are being spoken. There's so much to notice if you listen deeply and seek to understand the person and what's important for them. You can ident identify their values and beliefs, their wants and needs, as well as their fears by listening beyond the words, including their energy, emotions and the impact they have on you. As you pay attention to these things, be aware of the listening to self that also happens. Notice the facts and information that you hear and consider how they inform you about that person. Notice the stories you create and the assumptions you make. How do you feel about the person and situation? And how do you think they feel? This form of listening takes practice as most people have never listened at such a deep level before. You've probably either listened to yourself and how things relate to you or listen to others and what's happening for them, now it's time to integrate the two. Integrated listening builds stronger relationships through a deeper connection, and it's powerful to be heard and understood in this way. The ability to listen at this level is even more important and often overlooked when there's conflict. That's the time you may want to focus on appeasing someone or fighting for your rights. Usually in conflict, people pay attention to their own needs, increasing the disconnection and causing the relationship to break down further. We need to collaborate through differences of opinion and include cultural differences in the decision making. That requires you to listen deeply to yourself and respect your opinions, views, thoughts and feelings, while also listening to others and respecting their opinions, views, thoughts and feelings, even when they may be vastly different to your own. This is true mutual respect in which everyone's needs are met. And I cover this in more detail in my book, Leadership Beyond Measure. By listening to and integrating the needs of everyone, you can develop solutions in harmony with others. Relationships transform when you articulate your own needs as well as truly listening to the needs of others and find ways to integrate both without compromise. Where can you listen to others more? Colin D. Smith, a.k.a. The Listener, works with executives and leaders to develop the subtle art of listening. He advocates that learning to listen is like going to the gym. If you expect results in the first week, you've probably missed the point. Learning to listen is a long-term practice that exponentially improves the way people work together. And Colin wrote um, a section for, for the book, and, and here it is. Listening is an art, a skill and a discipline and therefore requires a subtle long-term approach. Learning to listen is like going to the gym. For the first few weeks of regular attendance, nothing seems to change. Then you start to climb the stairs two at a time, stand taller and feel more confident. So it is with listening. The first step is to expect, accept that you may not listen as well as you could and then to understand the differences between hearing and listening the practical elements of listening, and finally to put these into practice by being a listener. Initially, the changes seem small and it's easy to give up on developing listening as a skill. Those who persevere rarely see listening as a big change, rather a decision that they make to develop the skill slowly and sustainably. Feedback from clients indicates that the impact of their listening grows exponentially as the discipline grows stronger. Their meetings become less frenetic, shorter and more engaging. Their conversations are more thoughtful, of a higher quality, go deeper, feel energising and so much more, all from simply learning to listen. 
the more we listen to others, the more likely they are to listen to us and the more easily we can engage in dialogue. For one executive, it all stemmed from a simple exercise where he could both see and feel the impact of his behaviour of physically and emotionally dropping out of a conversation. He realised he'd not been listening. In fact, he was barely even hearing his colleagues. He also realised the same behaviour was happening at home with his wife and their young children. He vowed at that moment to change the way he would listen to those in his team. The first muscle he developed was an intention to listen as many times as possible. He started to notice when he faced the person speaking and was fully present with them. He removed all the distractions that created disconnection, his mobile, TV, tablet and so on. He made an effort to be curious and interested. He noticed that when he started to formulate his response, he'd stopped listening. He remained silent, didn't interrupt and let the person finish. He became curious about what else they might say and quietly asked, what more? The change in the way people responded to him was profound. They seemed happier, more engaged and more trusting. He explained that they felt heard, valued, trusted and that they mattered. It transformed his leadership. PwC's annual global CEO survey of 2016 identified, and I quote, that 55% of CEOs are concerned about a lack of trust in business today. And that, I quote again, a high level of trust makes employees more committed to staying with the company partners are more willing to collaborate and investors more prepared to entrust stewardship of their funding. And, and that's the end of the quote. So listening is the foundation to building trust and it's cited in the 2017 Edelman Trust Barometer Report as a trust building and operational imperative. And that, and that concludes the, the section from Colin. Um, the next section is called Listening to the Environment. Because it's not enough just to listen to what's going on for you and the needs of others. Most people stop at listening to self and others, but there's more information you can include. Listening to the environment isn't limited to hearing. It involves feeling into the energy and emotion and sensing into the atmosphere. For example, you may sense tension in a meeting where there are disagreements or conflict. You may notice the temperature in a room and observe that a warm room causes the energy of of the people in the room to dip. You may also notice when some people disconnect in moments of tension, while others engage more forcefully to have their voice heard. All of this affects the mood of the room and can provide information on what's needed to create a positive outcome for the overall team and the collective goals and objectives. This is called, I call this, listening to the environment. And at this level, you can see who's engaged and disengaged and pay attention to how to bring the whole team together. As a leader, your role is to notice what needs to happen next. What's the powerful leadership action that you can take based on all of the information you have by listening to self, to others and to the environment? Does someone need to be invited to share their opinion and be given the space to do so? How can you create a safe space for that to happen? What information in the environment are you ignoring? Really important questions, these. In any group, there will be different opinions or voices. Pay attention to those who don't speak up because they may be afraid to speak to something that they feel is not likely to be well received. Or they may negate their opinion by believing they're the only one who thinks or feels that way. Every voice in the system is important. 
Often we hold back from having difficult conversations in order to avoid conflict, yet the situation has an impact even when it's unspoken. By listening to what's truly going on beyond the words, you can voice what's happening and create an environment of openness and transparency. What needs to be voiced in your system? Horses invite us to pay attention at this level. As herd animals whose safety is constantly under threat from predators, horses have learned to pay attention to the environment. They miss nothing. Every fox that appears, every leaf that blows in the wind could have an impact on their safety. Horses are often considered unpredictable by humans who don't afford the same level of listening to the environment. If you've ever been surprised by something you didn't see coming, it may be because you were not paying attention to the bigger picture. If you miss the subtle signs, you'll constantly be surprised by, by things that, that happen or by things that people say and do. We need to continually switch our attention between listening to self, others and the environment. Working with horses enables people to develop this skill quickly and to recognise that the wider system is impacting the horse as well as their leadership and to include it in the conversation. Once you've learned the importance of focusing on the, on the tasks, the facts and the information, your internal dialogue, the relationship and the environment, you can start to balance how you listen in the workplace and how you include all those elements of information. Task versus relationship. When people work with the horses, the balance between task and relationship becomes obvious very quickly. Some clients focus on achieving the task and getting the horse around the arena and back to where they started as quickly as possible. They may feel nervous and rush to get it over and done with. If you focus too much on the task, you break the relationship and lose sight of the bigger picture and what's happening around you. In these moments, the horses usually plant their feet and refuse to move. Or they may go with you and take charge along the way, either stopping or veering off or dragging you round. Other clients are so focused on the relationship that they forget where they're going. The horses are willing to engage because they feel respected and trusted, but in the absence of a clear direction, again they'll either plant their feet or drag you around. In the process, you lose sight of your needs. In your desire to be in relationship, you give the power over to the other party and suddenly you realise that you've not achieved what you wanted to achieve. And this is what happens to people pleasers. In a bid to get everyone's buy-in, they focus too much on what other people want and forget about their own needs. Sometimes clients are able to balance their own needs with the needs of others by listening to both and the horse follows willingly. Sometimes clients say, I was so focused on the horse that I had no idea what was happening around me. They become so focused on the task and the relationship and suddenly notice that the rest of the team are heading in a different direction or not moving at all. If you've ever experienced those things occurring out of the blue, you've failed to notice that the environment has changed. As a result of a new boss, the culture evolves and the requirements change. But if you're focused purely on the relationship with others, you'll miss it. If you've ever found yourself putting your head down and doing an outstanding job, only to find that someone else got a promotion or a pay rise that you think you should have got, then you might want to lift your head and start paying attention to what's going on around you. Self, others, environment. Deep listening involves paying attention to all three at the same time and making powerful leadership choices based on the information from the head, the heart and the gut. Values, needs and beliefs. Deep listening enables you to sense these. They enable you to sense 
the values, needs and beliefs of other people behind the words that are said. You can also gain insight into the emotions and feelings of others when you pay attention at this level. Values and beliefs shape the thoughts, feelings and, and actions. So the more you understand other people's mode of operation, the easier it is to work through differences. What's important to one person will be different from what's important to another. Some people have a value around work-life balance, where others have a value around working hard. And of course those two values can go hand in hand and they don't always. And that's why listening at a deeper level is essential because we often use words that we think we understand when in fact to someone else it means a completely different thing. Misunderstandings arise from poor communication, not just in articulating what we want, but in listening to what's needed and paying attention to people's levels of understanding. What values are you not honouring in yourself? What values are others trying to communicate? At an organisational level, many companies have recognised the need for company values. Few have created an environment where those values come alive. In addition, everyone will have a different perspective on the application and implication of the company values. For example, trust is something that everyone thinks they're good at. Yet few people truly trust themselves fully, or others, when leading through uncertainty. Space for dialogue. Dialogue can only occur when we're willing to listen at a deeper level as well as a wider level, and by that I mean the environment. In dialogue, we notice our differences as well as our similarities. People are naturally drawn to others like themselves, which means we navigate towards those who agree with us. If you focus on listening to self, you'll find yourself surrounded by people who think like you and behave like you because they'll validate your thoughts and opinions. That's fundamentally bad for business as it stifles creativity as well as excluding minority groups. While it's important to stand up for your values, rights and beliefs, it's essential that you also make space for others' values, rights and beliefs. We need to hold the paradox of both and rather than either or and act in service of the whole instead of acting in service of our own rights at the expense of others. Dialogue involves being in relationship with people who may have different opinions and exploring new approaches together. Companies that encourage diverse teams are more innovative and have higher market growth. Innovation occurs when everyone is heard and feels safe to propose new ideas without blame, judgment or criticism. The point of dialogue is not to analyse things, win over others or have your opinion validated. Dialogue provides an opportunity for people to come together and create new ideas, giving and listening to feedback, taking on board objections and finding new ways around them. Dialogue requires us to put aside the need to win, to have our opinion validated or discounted. Dialogue can only occur when we've learned to listen. It lifts us out of polarisation and into alignment for the sake of creating something new. It's a conversation in which the relationship between people is as important as the outcome, where every voice is equal and heard. Dialogue can be effortless and flowing, born out of the foundation of curiosity, openness and flexibility. But it can also be challenging when we're faced with diverse and polarised opinions. It requires a presence and a stillness to truly listen at a deeper level, and a dance of thoughts and feelings bouncing around to create something new. Curiosity leads to a new discovery, enabling ideas to be expressed and built upon. 
Where might dialogue improve your relationships? We often believe we're in dialogue, where in fact we're merely expressing opinions to each other without fully appreciating each other's needs. Dialogue is in fact an advanced form of communication that can transform teams and enhance relationships. And it's crucial, but mostly forgotten in uncertainty. And that concludes the, the chapter on listening and dialogue. And I think, you know, some really important things there and, and particularly the fact that in uncertainty when we start to have those polarized views we just forget to listen we lose the skills of being curious we start to focus on creating our safety by being right and by blaming and judging others and so it's really important especially in uncertainty to actually pay attention to what other information is out there because in uncertainty you don't have all the answers and maybe somebody else has an idea and maybe you can build on each other. Um, the answers are out there somewhere. They're just waiting to be created. And the more that we listen and engage in dialogue and embrace diverse opinions and ways of thinking, being and doing, the more that we can actually create those new ideas in uncertainty. That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judegenison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.